It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A mid-morning dance with the devil from the farmer of fury. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Imagine a scene where a young British-born man decides to follow his parents back to their country of origin to fight against government forces in a battle to depose a dictator. Imagine that young man is under surveillance by the security forces because of his suspected links to terrorism in our country. Then imagine that as the fighting intensifies in that foreign revolutionary war, the young man is rescued by a Royal Navy task force and brought back to Britain. As if imagining all that's not bad enough, now imagine that three years later the same young man radically Radicalised beyond belief, uh, reported by various people uh, at his university uh, for uh, Islamic-type activities and, of course, uh, beating up women as well. He blows himself up inside Manchester Arena and slaughters 22 young pop fans, seven of them children. Imagine no more. All of the above is true. And the young man's name is Salman Abadi from Libya, saved from death by the British, granted life by the British, now just another terrorist statistic. The question I've got is how many more like him are here now? 0344. 499-1000. I'm joined this morning by former newspaper editor and columnist Dawn Neeson, who's going to convince me why all women marry down. It's an inevitability, apparently. And we'll even have to discuss the finale of Love Island. Plus, we'll be finding out just how so many children are going to school in this country without knowing how to talk properly. Seems extraordinary, doesn't it? 0344 499 You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Dawn Neeson on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Well, Dawn, welcome back. Very Hello. nice to see you. Good and morning, very nice Mike. to see you looking so well because I only just learned uh, this morning that you took part in that Ride London event over the weekend. I did. I was one of the very brave souls who braved that horrific weather. Suddenly winter was back with a vengeance. Isn't it really dangerous to cycle around in the rain like that? It's I mean, probably certifiably stupid, to yeah. be honest with you. But 27,000 plus people did yeah. it, raised thousands for charity. Yeah. So it's all in a good cause. Mm-hmm. So. And it I'm was, all for yeah. raising charitable monies. I'm just not all for closing London down from Tower Bridge West for most of the weekend. But this is the thing. You know about it. You know it's coming. Just yeah. make your plans accordingly. All the car drivers tweeting and getting angry about it. Well, just make your plans beforehand and get on with it. Well, I you mean, say that. But, I mean, what about the people that live in those parts of Surrey, those leafy lanes that I was watching through a glass darkly, as I said earlier, you know, those ridiculous coverage, yes, wall-to-wall coverage bad, yeah. from the BBC, where you couldn't even see what was going was, on. Yeah. They needed, like, a windscreen wiper on the camera. But if you live in one of those roads that's closed off in the countryside, you presumably can't get out, can you? Move your car beforehand if you need to get out. Mm. End of story. OK. Uh, here's uh, Pat from East London wants to have a word, you can call in 0344-499-1000. Hi, Pat. Hello there. Uh, what would you like to say, Pat? Well, the, the, the fact is that all this 
comes from our political class. Yeah. Right? You know, <clears throat> you know um, now, before I start, just for the record, mm. I don't mean all immigrants. Right. You know, I, I'm, but the rise of the far right is down to governments and also, um, like, wars that they've been, like, down the decades that, you know, silly conflicts that have gone over to these countries and bombed them halfway to Mars, you know, and they've left them, they've left these countries in a state of flux, Mm -hmm. you know, where all these uh, so-called, well, they call it... uh, uh, Revolutions? Revolutionary Islamic groups... Yes. ...flourish. Now, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, under Saddam Hussein... It wasn't a nice place to live, uh, Iraq, but he kept all this under, you know, under the under the hood, and also in Libya with Colonel Gaddafi. But since these, yeah, but they were murdering loads and loads of people. Now you can take that as as a take it or leave it situation. You know, we you could say the West has no business putting its nose into the Middle East, but I mean, the reason that Saddam Hussein and Colonel Gaddafi were there in the first place was because they've been put there by the West. Yeah, (laughs) no, that's true. That that's absolutely true, but the point is, as closer to home, I mean, um, the politicians they say, "Oh yeah, multiculturalism and diversity." You know, let them. You know, let everybody come in. It's like Angela Merkel. Yeah. I mean, she just opened the doors, flung the doors open without a buy your leave, and didn't, you know, sort of query who was coming in. And now you've got social problems. Uh, and it's all down to the politicians now. I agree with you. You're absolutely and, right. And the chickens, you know, in their dogma of mul- of mass multiculturalism and diversity, the chickens are coming home to roost. Mm, yes. And there's not a lot you can really do about it. That's the trouble. But I mean, at least what we could try to do, surely, uh, is to reverse the policy that allowed people like this kid Abadi's dad, who was in the secret police in Libya, from being allowed to get asylum here. Well. That- that, you know? Then, then you've got a, you know the politics. That's down to the politicians and the people that run the country yeah. or countries. In, in, in my, as you say, in Europe, in, in, in South America, they have their own terrorism, but it's it's all sort of. I mean, they're all in say like Brazil. Mm. Most of them are all Brazilians. Right. That's and my point. I mean, there are Argentinians. It's one, one thing to say, Spanish. yeah, it's one thing to say that in Colombia there's narco-terrorism and in, in Mexico and all of that. Well, yes, there is, but that's a criminal problem. Uh, I mean, to some extent, terrorism is, is also a criminal problem. When you see people like Lord Mandelson quoted in the papers this morning as saying that Brexit hardliners hate foreigners, you know, he's feeding into that same matrix. He's basically saying mm. that if you don't like foreigners, uh, there's something wrong with you. If you don't like immigrants, there's something wrong with you. You know, but there's something different between liking people coming into the country, which I personally do, uh, and allowing the wrong people into the country, surely. But, you know, when what you notice with all these... I mean, does Lord Mandelson live in Wandsworth? Does Lord Mandelson live in Newham? No, he lives in... I don't think that's a valid argument. I don't think it no, matters. I'm I mean, if saying, you, but No, but if you live in London, Pat, I mean, basically, you know, London is full of, of people from different countries. It doesn't matter where you live. No, but I'm saying, but, he, you know, they live in the, like, the Bentsteads and the Whiteleafs and the, you know, Maidenhead parts. I think of, he lives in Notting Hill, actually. Well, Notting Hill. I mean, you, <laughs> you, can't, you can't live in... I mean, even getting a coffee and a, a bun in Notting Hill, you've got to take out a mortgage. You <laughs> well, know, well I'll take your word for that. To get a coffee and a bun in Notting Hill, yeah. let alone, 
I'd still, I'd, still, I'd still rather live in Notting Hill than Maidenhead, to be fair, but I don't know what you've got against that. Pat, thanks very much for indeed for your call. Let's talk to Andrew Norfolk, who's, of course, the chief investigative reporter of The Times. He wrote a great story the other day uh, about how uh, the Joseph Rowntree Charitable Trust, which is not to be confused with the Joseph Rowntree Foundation, uh, has been involved in some very strange uh, granting of monies to various groups, including the INLA, which is the Irish National Liberation Army, a banned terrorist organisation. Andrew, very good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Now, this was a splash in the Times on Saturday. It was a great story. I read it with, with, with some interest. And, and I was amazed, actually, amongst other things, that there are so many organisations to which Joseph Roundtree has kind of loaned his name, if you like. Yeah, this is a, a Quaker charity, one of Britain's biggest charities that hands millions of pounds every year to yeah. groups. Um, it says it supports groups seeking radical change for a better world. But some of those groups... Um, raise a lot of eyebrows when you look into what they're involved with. No, indeed. And, I mean, everyone will probably remember the cage uh, controversy. This was a group uh, of uh, uh, Muslim um, sort of radicals, if you like, um, who were trying to campaign against the injustices of the war on terror. Um, and they they had sort of some rather interesting ideas, didn't they? Yeah, the, this um, calls itself a human rights organisation. Mm. Um but uh, when Mohammed Mouazi, the Islamic State executioner, who, who was known by the nickname Jihadi John, right. um, was was killed eventually, um, they held a press press conference in which they described him as a beautiful young man and blamed the British security services for radicalising him. Mm. Um, their director and founder is a former Guantanamo Bay detainee. Um, uh, that was that was. Three years ago, and there were, were great concerns expressed then about um, the decision by the Roundtree charity to fund them. But uh, much more recently, we've been discovering their their funding of of a group with rather troubling links to a banned um, Republican terrorist organisation in Northern Ireland. Right. And why is this so easily done? I mean, if, if for example, we have the Charity Commission, uh, we have obviously, you know, a supposed to be uh, reasonable policing of the charity sector. How, how easy is it actually to give money pretty much to anyone you like? Well, the fact is both in the case of CAGE and in the case of this um, organisation that is closely linked to the uh, INLA, the Irish National Liberation Army, yeah. neither of those are registered charities. Um, and yet the Roundtree Trust has seen fit to award them money um, ostensibly for causes with which it would wish to support. But it, the fact is that this chat, this group in Northern Ireland had its offices raided in April this year by the police in Northern Ireland, by an elite paramilitary crime force that said it was in investigating alleged sex trafficking, violent intimidation and paramilitary-style attacks. Well, a man held in the raids was charged with running a brothel and extortion, wasn't he? I mean, yeah, the, the, this he and two Romanian na nationals are accused of running a brothel. Um, a lot of the Republican splinter groups, including um, the INLA and and even smaller groups that were opposed to the peace process, um, have morphed in effect into criminal organisations. They're involved in racketeering, extortion, punishment shootings. Um, uh, and they're, they're effectively criminal gangs. Um, and yet you find organisations very closely aligned to them or their political wings, which receive money from those who wish to do good in, in big charities for ostensible purposes, such as helping former prisoners, 
Um, is that their justifi- justification for giving this donation then? What is their justification? Well, the, the trust told us that it rejected all violence. Um, it said this money was to build pathways to peace. Right. It says it supports groups working yeah, for... Yeah, kumbaya all round, yeah, I suppose, right? Yeah, but, this well, is... Unfortunately, um, you know, the Charity Commission uh, doesn't agree, right? Well, the, the Charity Commission points out um, accurately that... Um, Charities have a duty to ensure that any money they give is used exclusively for charitable purposes. Um, And it says it has asked uh, the Roundtree Trust to explain and justify its funding decision in the case of this Northern Irish group. It's also launched an investigation, by the way, into another uh, group to which the Roundtree Trust gave over half a million pounds. And this is a racial justice charity in Yorkshire that attacked the Labour MP Sarah Champion for what she has done and what she has said about uh, the significant over-representation of men from British Pakistani background in the organised gangs who, in Rotherham, very um, notoriously, but in many other towns, uh, have been implicated in organised grooming and trafficking of young teenage girls. That's right, because she said that this needed to be investigated, quite rightly so, didn't she? Mm. And then they, this just Yorkshire, accused her of industrial-scale racism yeah, for highlighting probably... the sexual abuse of little girls, basically. Yeah. Uh, they, they, the irony is that for years the reason this, this crime pattern wasn't acknowledged and tackled by the authorities was in part due to a fear of recognising the particular cultural and racial and religious elements involved in mm. some of those involved in the offending. Sarah Champion inherited a situation when she became the MP for Rotherham. She has worked tirelessly for the victims mm. for, to help young women who, who, who experienced that. And, and by saying it's time we faced up to, to this and tried to carry out research to understand why this pattern has developed, yeah. they accused her of uh, fanning the flames of racial hatred and acting like a neo-fascist murderer. I mean, the problem as well, it seems to me, with with organisations like this Just Yorkshire, uh, which is run, I believe, uh, by um, uh, an Asian man. I'm not quite sure whether he's Pakistani. But, I mean, Just Yorkshire does not suggest anything like what this organisation actually is about, does it? It sounds like you should go trekking I mean, it sounds like, you know, Visit visit Britain or something, doesn't it? It, 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 it says it's a secular human rights organisation, um, but it, it, in reality, its it, its reports tend to focus exclusively on issues affecting yeah. the Muslim community. Right. Um, and, and its attitude, uh, like a lot of these groups, is uh, its previous report was on Prevent, the government's anti-terrorism, right. counter-terrorism initiative. And again, it was the idea that by, by, by working within Muslim communities to try to to pre- prevent radicalisation of people. They were somehow demonising a whole community, yeah. mm. criminalising a whole community. Um, it, uh, it seems it is to exist to oppose anything that remotely touches on, on individuals within a certain community and suggests that you're trying to target the whole. And also the idea that these people have been given over half a million half pounds. Half a million, I you mean, know. I mean, where, for example, can we say, I don't know if we know, uh, where does the Joseph Browntree Charitable Trust get its money from? The, the, the Trust has huge investments. It was founded in 1904 by the, the chocolate manufacturer, Joseph Browntree. Right. Um, he wanted it to, to, to do good in the community. Um, 
Uh, but has it, it always been sort of this way inclined, if you like? I mean, I don't know whether um, the Quaker aspect of it is, is important, really, because uh, I'm not that familiar with... I've been to a Quaker wedding once where everybody got to stand up and say something, uh, which was slightly unusual, quite nice. You know, I always thought Quaker, uh, the Quaker sort of religion, for want of a better word, was very peaceful. Um, and you wouldn't expect them to want to give money to groups which were, you know, this dodgy. The, the Quakers have always been being committed to pacifism, yeah. Yeah. Uh, opposed to all violence. Um, in the early years of the of the of the trust's existence in the early 20th century, the social ills that they were seeking to uh, alleviate were, po- were poverty and things like adult illiteracy. They 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 had a lot of schools for adult education. Um, it seems over the decades, and certainly more recently, although all the trustees are still Quakers, have to be Quakers. Um, uh, almost any radical cause goes, some might argue. Well, they also gave money to the Islamic Human Rights Commission as well to employ a communications officer. And this is someone who is quite clearly um, obviously um, very anti-Semitic and and having to go at Jewish people again, which seems to be a a theme going on here. But they just seem to give money to all these radical groups that are are completely opposite of what they were set up to do. Yeah, just to, to... To make a point here, the Islamic Human Rights Commission, and again, as you said with Just Yorkshire, the name sounds great. Yes. Uh, who, who, who oppose, who's opposed to human rights? Exactly. Uh, but is it like human rights for Yorkshiremen or something? Is that what it's meant to be? Uh, well, the Islamic <laughs> Human Rights Commission is London-based, but they, 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 they organised an annual anti-Israel pro-Hezbollah march in London. And shortly after Grenfell Fire last year, uh, addressing the crowd at that march, one of its directors spoke of Zionists who give money to the Tory party to kill people in high-rise That's blocks. incredible, isn't it? I mean, absolutely. Mm. And then, um, you mean, I've often wondered whether this country has... Because you see people um, who have these ty- types of jobs work in these types of organisations. There's a hell of a lot of money in the charity sector uh, used, you know, in my view, wrongly, to just give jobs for the boys and jobs for the girls, isn't there? Well, the, 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 the trustees of... of of the charity don't receive any payment for their work. Mm. Um, I, I I think. Yeah, I'm not that, talking about so much the uh, the Joseph Browntree Charitable Trust as I'm talking about the the organisations they're feeding money to. Well, um, th- those organisations, and I'm sure there are many organisations funded by the charity that do very good work. But there are the fact is there are a number of organisations that it, that seem to exist mm. to make um, a scary th- number this country um, a, a less uh, happy and integrated place to live than it might otherwise be. Well, indeed, because one of the things we hear all the time, um, Andrew, and I'm sure you hear it as well in your travels, is that we are now a very polarised nation. There are you know, political views which are expressed and, and are expressed more, and we all know now uh, whether or not you believe in the Cambridge Analytica Facebook uh, f- stories about how they influence the referendum result and all of that. You know, social media is a massive thing now. Um, the, the influence of social media and the money that, that some of these groups get from this particular charity trust allows them to employ people to do all of that stuff doesn't it, it, it um, if, if you if we go back to Northern Ireland for a moment the, the, there are there are groups there who who can only exist through funding yeah from from outside causes and they present I'm sure funding applications which look great on paper and if you have slightly naive perhaps well-meaning though very clearly aligned to the left core charities 
that wish to do good in their version of what sees good. Um, I, I think there is a great danger, and this is what the Charity Commission really does need to get to grips with, of, of, of lending support, thinking you're doing good, but in reality doing the absolute opposite. Mm. Mm. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. And they've given £57 million away in 10 years up until 2015. Yeah, it's staggering. That's a lot of money. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge amount of money. Joseph Rowntree became a very wealthy man through, through his chocolate manufacturing, um, and he gave half his fortune to set up various good causes, including this charitable trust. And over the years, its investment have grown to be worth hundreds of millions of pounds. Yeah. And that enables it to award typically between five and six million pounds every year to, to the causes it favours. Right. But, I mean, I can't understand, and I'm sorry to go back to it, the INLA, paramilitary terrorist group, which is known to be responsible for the assassination in 1979 of Airy Neve, the MP uh, who was blown up as he was driving his car out of the House of Parliament, and the murder of three Ulster Volunteer Force members in 1994. I mean, that's very clearly uh, not a peaceful organisation. No. Um, it remains a, a banned organisation. Yeah. Membership of the NLA is illegal. Right. Mm. Um, the fact is, this the, the group to which the Trust gave its money is a, um, it's, a it's called Shakna Felt. It's a, Gaelic word, yeah. um, but um, it, it was founded by the political wing of the INLA. Uh, it shares its offices with the political wing of the INLA, yeah. and although the INLA is a banned group, um, according to the Police Service of Northern Ireland, it, is, it, it is, remains a very active criminal organisation. Mm. But the, the Trust said, no, we gave them money because they signed up to our commitment to non-violence. Oh, good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's reassuring, isn't it? Isn't it? Very, yeah. And as mm. a result of your story, Andrew, um, has the Charity Commission uh, made any statement? Are they likely to take this cause up and try to investigate a little bit further what's going on? Well, um, as I said, they've, they, they have launched a sort of an official investigation into the, the, the charity that attacked Sarah Champion. Um, the, with, with the Northern Ireland funding, they said they've, they've, they've sought a response from the charity in light of the information the Times has put to the Charity Commission. Um, and they said charities should be able to explain and justify their funding decisions. We have asked the charity to do this. Um, I, I don't know what the outcome of that request has been. Mm. Mm, I'm guessing not much, to be honest with no, you. Mind but, you've got a lot uh, on their plate, haven't they? They really you? have. Andrew, listen, thank you very much indeed. Great story. Uh, fascinating uh, a study as well into what is going on out there. Andrew Norfolk there, who's the uh, Chief Investigative Reporter of The Times. This is the Independent Republican Mike Graham. It is not Love Island. Can I just issue that particular rejoinder? <laughs> uh, Dawn Neeson is here. She's been watching it all the way through. I have not. I did watch it, as some of you will know, uh, at the beginning, uh, just to see what it was like because we had to report on it. Daisy McAndrew, who sits where you sit from time to time, was absolutely addicted to it. She's on holiday. I don't know whether she managed to watch it while she was away. I bet she did. Uh, I bet she found yep. some way to do it because uh, her, her husband's quite an important bloke in television. So probably a satellite truck following them around in Europe or something, you know, to make sure he didn't miss it. But I'll tell you what you know. Quentin Letts, who you may not know is a kind of sketch writer for the Daily Mail. When the Daily Mail put him on page three uh, with a massive big wipeout picture of the Love Island winners uh, and his headline, which says, who could resist this honking sea lion and her square-jawed fella? Um, you know that uh, the zeitgeist has been well and truly accepted by the Daily Mail, which must mean uh, it is part of the That's nation's great. heritage. I love that piece. It was great, really. It was good, yeah. yeah. Sarah Packer's with the Sun. She's been following it all the way through as well. Sarah, uh, very good morning. Welcome back. 
Morning. How are you? I'm all right. Are you feeling a little bit uh, fragile this morning, perhaps? You know what? I'm not feeling fragile, but I am feeling a little sad. <laughs> oh, because now you have to go back to the real world. I know. What am I going to watch every evening? <laughs> and that is a genuine question because I truly will not know what to watch every evening on the TV now. Big Brother? Oh, no, I'm not a fan of Big Brother. <laughs> yeah, that's starting to start soon, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely, is it a couple Big of weeks, Brother? yeah. Yeah, well, maybe yeah. you'll get that as a, as, a, as, a, as a thing, Sarah. But what was so great? Tell us about the, the, this particular uh, Love Island, because obviously um, it was even, I think, more popular than, than last year's. People watched it, people stuck with it, they liked the people on it. Uh, what was so great about it? Well, actually, I think what was so great about it was Jack and Danny, I mean, Danny was bound to be a favourite from the beginning because of her dad being Danny Dyer. So obviously the interest was there. But watching Jack and Danny and their romance blossom because they were the only couple in the villa to stay together from day one, whereas the others, you know, pick and choose and, and split up and made up again. But they stayed united throughout the entire series. And I know people will question their intentions like do people go on Love Island for money you know is it just to launch a clothing deal but I do truly believe in their romance and I think that's what makes the show special don't you think they looked a little tiny bit awkward when they kissed last night though Sarah there is something about the relationship I do find a bit hmm I don't know not quite right well I think they will meet a hurdle in the fact that well if they've been telling the truth throughout the series they haven't been intimate yet so what they have is a really, really strong friendship. And maybe, you know, in the next coming days, if they do decide to take it to the next level, they may or may not discover, oh, like, are we absolutely sure about this? Yeah, didn't they join the Do Bits Society last night, evidently? Well, Mike's, Mike's looking very much confused now. <laughs> no, they I actually know that, what that is. Oh, mm. you, you know what that is, right? I do. <laughs> um they said they had every intention in joining the Do Bit Society, but we will be finding out at the Sun later whether they actually have or not because they're coming to do their first exclusive Ah, interview. perfect. The very first see, question. This is the problem. You see, I couldn't care less, really. I mean, I find it slightly distasteful wondering whether or not a particular <laughs> couple that I don't know have had sex with each other. I'm not interested. No, see, I really, really want to know. Yeah, <laughs> and, but and I think that makes you a bit of a know. weirdo. And no, I just want to know whether they've sealed the deal because, well, sex shouldn't be taboo. It's obviously a really important thing in any relationship and they've been together two months. Yeah, it's a very important thing together. in my relationship, but I don't care what anybody else is doing. Well, I think... Oh, it's just being grumpy. Maybe in the minority. Yeah, there's four I mean, million people watching this. I want to know this. details. I want to know, you know, did well, they what, love it? What sort of details do you want to know? What <laughs> sort of details do you want to know? Well, exactly that. Did it kind of live up to expectations, or did Jack not manage to last very long? You know? I, I bet. Though, I bet she was really disappointed. To be honest me. with you. Well, I tell you what. You've got a big piece of the sun today, uh, in which the former uh, Love Island yeah. star Amber Davis says that she thinks it might not last very long. And I'm not yeah, talking about well, the sex. Yeah. <laughs> when does it ever? <laughs> She's speaking from experience, because obviously she was last year's winner with Ken. And she actually said in the piece that after a week of being together on the outside world, she knew deep down that their relationship just wasn't going to work. And I guess you can realise that really quickly because you're out of that bubble and mm. sometimes the bubble can just burst, can't it? Yep. She actually said that Danny and Zach may realise just as quickly if they're not as great for each other as they immediately thought. 
Well, it's just totally unreal environment, isn't it? I mean, that's why it is compulsive viewing because there is no outside. There's no Brexit. There's mm. no depression. There's no terror. It's just a happy, yeah. sunny, lots of pretty people wandering. Yeah. Mike, stop looking at me like that. In bikinis, it's just a nice escapism. Pointless. But the bubble, <laughs> the bubble when you come out, I think it does burst very quick because that's talking about getting a flat together. So that means mortgages. Yeah. He's got to meet her I dad. Mm. Yeah, but hang yeah. on. Aren't they going to make like a million and a half uh, uh, smackers each, I think, over the course of next year? Yeah, there's that as well. I, they, I mean, something Amber said was that no doubt they will have the best year of their lives, but whether or not the relationship will last yeah. is a different story. Yeah. I mean, something she said that was really interesting was the fact that suddenly they'll have to introduce into their relationship the use of a mobile phone. And you know how that can cause arguments mm. between a young couple and also just not giving each other that attention. Like, instead of talking to each other at an evening in a villa, I bet they're just going to be glued to their phones or scrolling through Instagram and that isn't kind of as romantic as... Oh, so aren't they kind of... ...next to each other. Aren't they sort of destined in, say, I don't know, two years' time, if they are still together, uh, to mm. be attending the opening of a new disco in Peterborough or something? <laughs> um, Nothing against I Peterborough, think... by the way. Very good discos. <laughs> Perhaps, because I think the lifespan of a reality TV star is short, but that is the industry. Although... Danny's a different, she's a different reality star because she does already have links, obviously, with with the famous world before being on Love Island. And she does also have a great personality that I think maybe will last longer than two years and hopefully she won't have to be doing so any do you think she could really end up, um, club appearances. So she could, do you think she could end up sort of sitting on a TV sofa somewhere hosting a show? Well, I think there yeah. is... Sarah, isn't I, there yeah. some talk of them actually getting their own reality TV show, a bit like the Kardashians and yeah, that's the Osbournes? Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, the, the Dyers. So, yeah. and I think uh, dire is the word, really... isn't it? <laughs> dire <laughs> by name. I really interested in watching that. Because they are... I mean, genuinely, I don't know what it says about me, but Danny Dyer makes me laugh, both of them. <laughs> so I think if they were as rural and as honest as they, you know like to portray when they're on TV, then that would be a real eye-opener. I think, I'm actually, I think you're like probably that. right. If if there was to be a reality TV show based around them and, and Daddy and, and Dyer Dad, yeah. sort of popped up every now It'd and again, good. people would quite like I that. Would watch he was, it. Because he was the one saving grace of that awful show Piers Morgan fronted uh, in the evening. <laughs> yes. Do you remember? After the England game yeah. in the World Cup, which I think, what? I mean, I've not spoken to him since then, but I'm sure even he would admit didn't go as well as expected. But Danny Dyer was very, <laughs> they're very much the high point of that. Yes, no, very much. Yeah, so. like he he just sort of commands attention because he says whatever it is that is on the tip of his tongue, and I really like that. And I think Danny, ha his daughter, has that trait mm. as well. Like even with her closest friends in the villa, if they stepped out of line or did something she didn't agree with, she would put them back in their place. Yeah. She would tell them, wouldn't she? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I kind of like that. She's fearless, isn't she? And and that's quite nice to see in a woman as well. OK. And what about the rest of them? I mean, we had a second uh, runner-up, didn't we? We had two sort of sets of runners-up, if you like. What, yeah. what happens to them? I mean, presumably they don't make the money, um, but they have some kind of fame now, I suppose. They can't walk down the street without being recognised. What happens to them? Well, I think they do have big opportunities to make a lot of money still. It's sort of like... One Direction not winning the X Factor, but they are incredibly successful. So I think people like Laura and Megan will be offered clothing deals and bikini deals. And Megan obviously is a very attractive woman. I think brands will be after her. Um, and then there's the 
Instagram is just a massive, massive way mm. for these people to make money. I mean, Dr. Alex was on this morning earlier, and he said before he went into the villa, he had 500 followers on Instagram, and now he's amassed over a million. So what are you going to do with all those followers? And you know you're going to be vlogging products and promoting brands and new businesses, and I think that that will all make them money and kind of keep is he, is he not going? Is he not just going back to being a doctor then? Well, given that we're paid to train him up to be an A&E doctor, I would hope so. <laughs> I assume he puts a million of these people on a waiting list, does he? <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Well, he said on the show today that he was going to go back to A&E, but that he's also very keen to do more television appearances and kind of speak about what he does for a living and he's curious to kind of tell young people about what it is that he does. Didn't you think he was a bit creepy, Sarah? He oh, he wasn't my favourite, mm. I'll tell you. I was actually tweeting about not really liking his treatment of a few of the he girls. He had like, issues with women, I think. Yeah, like, I just feel like, why on earth would you consider going on a show like that if you weren't going to be open-minded, if you weren't going to speak about your feelings? He never did. No. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.